part two of joseph conrad a personal remembrance by ford maddox ford this librivox recording is in the public domain part two section two the inheritors is a work of seventy five thousand words as nearly as possible in the whole of it there cannot be more than a thousand certainly there cannot be two of conrad's writing these crepitate from the emasculated prose like firecrackers amongst ladies skirts i had looked at her before now i cast a sadwise critical glance at her i came out of my moodiness to wonder what type this was she had good hair good eyes and some charm yes and something besides a something a something that was not an attribute of her beauty the modelling of her face was so perfect as to produce an effect of transparency yet there was no suggestion of frailness her glance had an extraordinary strength of life her hair was fair and gleaming her cheeks coloured as if a warm light had fallen on them from somewhere she was familiar till it occurred to you that she was strange do you not hear conrad saying damn ford's women and putting in she had good hair good eyes and some charm and do you not see the writer at twenty-six hitching and fitching with a something a something a something to get an effect of delicacy and conrad saying oh hang it all do let's get some definite particulars about the young woman that was how normally we collaborated but in this volume that is the only discoverable passage with which conrad notably interfered occasionally he wrote in a whole speech that made a situation the difference between our methods in those days was this we both desired to get into situations at any rate when any one was speaking the sort of indefiniteness that is characteristic of all human conversations and particularly of all english conversations that are almost always conducted entirely by means of allusions and unfinished sentences if you listen to two englishmen communicating by means of words for you can hardly call it conversing you will find that their speeches are little more than this a says what sort of a fellow is uh, you know b replies oh he's a sort of a and a exclaims ah i always thought so this is caused partly by sheer lack of vocabulary partly by dislike for uttering any definite statement at all for anything that you say you may be called to account the writer really had a connection who said to one of her nieces my dear never keep a diary it may one day be used against you and that thought has a profound influence on english life and speech the writer used to try to get that effect by almost directly rendering speeches that practically never ended so that the original draft of the inheritors consisted of a series of vague scenes in which nothing definite was ever said these scenes melted one into the other until the whole book in the end came to be nothing but a series of the very vaguest hints the writer hoped by this means to get an effect of a sort of silver point a delicacy no doubt he succeeded but the strain of reading him must have been intolerable conrad's function in the inheritors as it to-day stands was to give to each scene a final tap these in a great many cases brought the whole meaning of the scene to the reader's mind 
looking through the book the writer comes upon instance after instance of these completions of scenes by a speech of conrad's here you have the quite unbearably vague hero talking to the royal financier about the supernatural adventurous heroine originally the speeches ran you don't understand she she will he said aha in an intolerable tone of royal badinage i said again you don't understand even for your own sake he swayed a little on his feet and said bravo bravissimo you propose to frighten i looked at his great bulk of a body the people began to pass muffled up on their way out of the place the scene died away in that tone in the book as it stands it runs with conrad's additions in italics if you do not cease persecuting her had been implied several speeches before i said i shall forbid you to see her and i shall oh oh he interjected with the intonation of a reveller at a farce we are at that uh, we are the excellent brother he paused and then added well go to the devil you and your forbidding he spoke with the greatest good humour i am in earnest i said very much in earnest the thing has gone too far and even for your own sake you had better he said aha aha in the tone of his oh oh she is no friend to you i struggled on she is playing with you for her own purposes you will he swayed a little on his feet and said bravo bravissimo if we can't forbid him we will frighten him go on my good fellow and then come go on i looked at his great bulk of a body you absolutely refuse to pay any attention i said oh absolutely he answered at that point conrad cut out a page or two of writing which was transferred to later in the book and came straight on to baron halderschrode has committed suicide which the writer for greater delicacy had rendered baron halderschrode has conrad however added still further to the effect by adding half sentences came to our ears from groups that passed us a very old man with a nose that almost touched his thick lips was saying shot himself through the left temple mon dieu if the reader asks how the writer identifies which was his writing and which conrad's in a book nearly twenty-five years old the answer is very simple partly the writer remembers this was the only scene in the book at which we really hammered away for any time and the way we did it is fresh still in his mind partly it is knowledge conrad would never have written a very old man or almost he would have supplied an image for the old man's nose and would have given him an exact age just as he had to precise the fact that halderschrodt had shot himself and through the left temple at that the only other passage in the book that the writer can quite definitely identify as conrad's is what follows for the sake of the adventurous heroine and an income the lugubrious hero and this is the point has betrayed to mr chamberlain and the powers of evil mr balfour lord northcliffe leopold of belgium sound finance the small investor and the past he is alone at four in the morning with the drunken journalist the actual writer of the leader that produces these sweeping results the whole passage which is solid conrad is a matter of two pages here is the most characteristic portion you can't frighten me i said no one can frighten me now a sense of my inaccessibility was the first taste of an achieved triumph 
i had done with fear the poor devil before me appeared infinitely remote he was lost but he was only one of the lost one of those that i could see already overwhelmed by the rush from the floodgates opened at my touch he would be destroyed in good company swept out of my sight together with the past they had known and with the future they had waited for but he was odious i am done with you i said eh, what who wants to frighten i wanted to know what's your pet vice won't tell you might safely i'm off want me to tell mine no time i'm off ask the policeman crossing sweeper will do i'm going you will have to i said what dismiss me throw the indispensable sown overboard like a squeezed lemon what would fox say eh but you can't my boy not you tell you can't beforehand with you sick of it i'm off to the islands the islands of the blessed come to dismiss yourself out of all this warm sand warm mind you you won't he had an injured expression well i'm off see me into the cab old chap you're a decent fellow after all not one of these beggars who would sell their best friend for a little money or some woman well see me off i went downstairs and watched him march up the street with a slight stagger under the pallid dawn the echo of my footsteps on the flagstones accompanied me filling the empty earth with the sound of my footsteps that occurs nearly at the end of the book there is one other passage of complete conrad two pages further on i turned towards the river and on the broad embankment the sunshine enveloped me friendly familiar warm like the care of an old friend a black dumb barge drifted clumsy and empty and the solitary man in it wrestled with the heavy sweep straining his arms throwing his face up to the sky at every effort the barge with the man still straining at the oar has gone out of sight under the arch of the bridge as through a gate into another world a bizarre sense of solitude stole upon me and i turned my back upon the river as empty as my day hansom's broughams streamed with a continuous muffled roll of wheels and a beat of hoofs a big dray put in a note of thunder and a clank of chains those two passages are practically all the conrad writing that there is in the book we must have had a severe struggle over those six or seven pages that the writer realizes because he remembers still the sense of relief that attended his writing the tremendously sentimental last scene his wallowing in his own juvenile prose and his own dreadful sentences as thus i had had my eyes on the ground all this while now i looked at her trying to realize that i should never see her again it was impossible there was that intense beauty that shadowlessness that was like translucence and there was her voice it was impossible to understand that i was never to see her again never to hear her voice after this she was silent for a long time and i said nothing nothing at all at last she said there is no hope we have to go our ways you yours i mine and then if you will if you cannot forget you may remember that i cared that for a moment in between two breaths i thought of of failing that is all i can do for your sake i had not looked at her but stood with my eyes averted very conscious of her standing before me of her great beauty her great glory the punctuation of this passage is that of the uniform edition of the collected works of joseph conrad the cover of which gives the book to joseph conrad alone 
the punctuation and the misprints which are very many are american and not the writer's the rest is having achieved this ending the writer carried it over to the pent conrad glanced at two or three pages of the manuscript exclaimed marvellous my dear boy my dear ford mon vieux i don't know how you do it and put the manuscript down on the table the whole went that afternoon to the printers it has sometimes occurred to the writer to wonder whether conrad ever read ever could have read that passage if he never did the omission would have been all right there was for excuse the extreme fatigue of our struggle of wills that went on whenever we really got down to a difficult passage there was also the fact that the writer was supposed to handle all the women in the books we wrote together conrad however assured the writer that he had very carefully corrected the proofs of the english collected edition of the book at a time when the writer was elsewhere employed this was when he also asserted that the inheritors was a damn good book and if we add that he did let his name as sole author remain on the cover of the book we must imagine that he regarded it with some satisfaction that his name so appeared was of course no doing of conrad's but was due to the business talents of the late mr pinker and the publishers an author as a rule is not shown the cover of his book before publication and this is naturally more especially the case when it is a matter of all the volumes of a collected edition but conrad offered to have all the copies of the inheritors and romance called in and the covers altered the writer however said that it did not matter as far as he was concerned conrad might have signed all his books he might still so the edition was left alone but at least conrad did not mind the attribution nevertheless the writer prefers to believe that conrad never read the last chapter of the inheritors the factor of fatigue would be quite enough to excuse it the writer is ready to confess that there are a few passages of romance that he himself has only read in french and it was permitted to conrad not to read the passages concerning what he called ford's women it had been only with something like nausea that he had brought himself to approach this lady for long enough to introduce the she had good hair good eyes and some charm of the opening quotation of this chapter it was only with difficulty that he was restrained from adding good teeth to the catalogue he said with perfect seriousness why not good teeth good teeth in a woman are part of her charm think of when she laughs you would not have her not have good teeth they are a sign of health your damn woman has to be healthy doesn't she the writer however stopped that to-day he would not still the writer would rather believe that conrad lied about the reading about the proof correcting about anything he would rather conrad had robbed an alms-box than that he should have read that dreadful prose and have called it damn good the rest of the book is badly written but not so dreadfully still it is bad enough a medley of prose conceived in the spirit of christina rossetti with imitations of the late henry james inspired by the sentimentality of a pre-raphaelite actor in love's themes precisely by sir robert johnston forbes robertson dyspeptically playing romeo to mrs patrick campbell's juliet cadenced like flaubert and full of little half-lines 
dragged in from the writer's own verses of that day he was only twenty-six at the time and was very late in maturing it runs like this country atmosphere romantic place names and all we were sauntering along the forgotten valley that lies between hadra and selling manis we had been silent for several minutes for me at least the silence was pregnant with undefinable emotions there was something of the past world about the hanging woods the little veils of unmoving mist as if time did not exist in those furrows of the great world and one was so absolutely alone conrad suddenly put in here anything might have happened but the writer went on bravely i was silent the birds were singing the sundown it was very dark among the branches and from minute to minute the colours of the world deepened and grew sombre i was silent a june nightingale began to sing a trifle hoarsely you perceive the writer got his nightingale in after all a marvel of oaken persistency it may have been out of sheer agony that conrad burst in here i stretched out my hand and it touched hers i seized it without an instant of hesitation how could i resist you i said and heard my own whisper with a sort of amazement at its emotion do not be alarmed anything might have happened but the writer was there to save the young woman positively he remarks i did not know what it might lead to i remembered that i did not know even who she was i let her hand fall we must be getting on i said a trifle hoarsely what then attracted conrad to this farrago of nonsense partly no doubt it was the idea of getting a book finished quickly here was another unexplored creek with possible gold in its shallows or its huts but it was only very partially that there was some mysterious attraction conrad's manner was too animated his enthusiasm too great at the first reading it may have been partly because the manuscript was read the rhetorical will pass when it comes in a human voice the writer has very frequently found good manuscripts that young men read to him only to be appalled by their ornamentation or their baldness even when he afterwards reads them for himself yet it cannot have been wholly that conrad had opportunities enough of going through the manuscript before the book was finished or it may have been affection conrad may really have had an affection for the writer yet it can hardly have been that the writer has sometimes imagined that however much we might have scoffed at jules five words long that on the stretched forefinger of old time sparkle forever however much we might have scoffed it was half sentences of the writers that inscrutably jumped out of the prose and caught conrad by the throat at the head of this chapter stands the mysterious phrase excellency a few goats the writer imagined this he wrote it in a quite commonplace frame of mind much as you might write an order for a hoe when sending a list of agricultural instruments that you required to your ironmonger he wanted to provide an obscure lugarino with a plausible occupation but no sooner had he got the words on the paper than conrad burst into one of his roars of ecstasy this he shouted when he was in a condition to speak is genius 
and out of breath exhausted and rolling on the sofa he continued to gasp genius it is a genius that's what it is pure genius genius i tell you the writer agreed that it was genius for the sake of peace and for twenty years afterwards in every second or third letter to the writer conrad returned to the charge excellency a few goats he would write do you remember even this year in a letter to the transatlantic review allotting parts of romance to its various authors he wrote fifth part practically all yours including the famous sentence at which we both exclaimed this is genius do you remember what it is with perhaps half a dozen lines by me in a subsequent number of the periodical in question the writer offered its readers as a prize a copy of romance if any one of them could identify that passage of genius a great many replies were received from readers offering passages of what on the surface looks more like genius but no one offered excellency a few goats it is perhaps genius but frequently on receiving a don't you remember the few goats letter from conrad the writer has felt as if he were getting credit for another immensely long shot at a rat in the inheritors then there were several sentences which conrad applauded almost as rapturously there was the one already quoted about the stroke of an obscure and unimportant physical kind in that conrad would like the words obscure and unimportant another it came after the passage concerning the suicide already quoted is altogether the writer's and was in the first draft demarche walked slowly along the long corridor away from us there was an extraordinary stiffness in his gait as if he were trying to emulate the goose step of his old days in the prussian guard my companion looked after him as though she wished to gauge the extent of his despair you would say hobbit wouldn't you she asked me this last sentence conrad also called genius perhaps it may be the inheritors appeared it caused no excitement even to ourselves it caused so little that the writer cannot so much as remember opening the parcel that contained the first copies by that time conrad had got over believing in its saleable qualities the writer had never had any delusions he had been too well drilled by mr edward garnet it was received by the english critics with a paean of abuse for the number of dots it contained one ingenious gentleman even suggested that we had cheated mr heineman and the public who had paid for a full six-shilling novel with words all solid on the page in america it attracted even less attention but the publishers having issued the book with as far as the writer can remember a fault on the title page or possibly on the cover it was withdrawn after only four copies had been sold and then reissued these four copies are said to command an exorbitant price from collectors the writer never remembers to have seen one End of section two.